بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله uh, we continue again with the fiqh of salah from the book Bulugh al-Maram of Imam Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani rahimahullah ta'ala and we are currently on the chapter of Sifatu salah and last week what we spoke about was some of the ahadith that speaks about what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to recite in the salah so we spoke about the dhuhr and the asr right we spoke about the difference between the lengths like the dhuhr we saw was actually a lot longer than what we what that than uh, what we are normal or normally used to right and we found that he would then at times make the first rak'ah longer than the second and other times he would make them even like the two of the would be longish and even and then asr would be oh, the first would be right so the first two of the would be even and the second two of Dhuhr, meaning you reciting all four rakaat, would be half of the first two. And then the first two of Asr would be equal to the last two of Dhuhr. And then the last two of Asr would be half of the first two of Asr. Of Asr, correct? That was another way that the Prophet prayed. So we said we should try and mix it up. Most of the time we would read first rakaat longer, second rakaat short, third and fourth only the Fatiha. But sometimes we try to implement the Sunnah as well. That the hadith was narrated by Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, remember? And the other hadith was narrated by Abu Qatada. We spoke about the two hadith in detail. We spoke about the salah in Isha should be the middle length surahs. And we spoke about Maghrib, which is the short surahs. And we spoke about uh, Fajr, which is the, the lengthy surahs. The lengthy surahs, okay? Uh, that's basically what the dars was about last week I mean there were other details in, obviously that came up and about uh, in the class we start off the, tonight with the next hadith which is narrated by Hudayfah radiallahu anhu he said sallaytu ma'an nabiyyi sallallahu alayhi wa sallama fima marrat bihi ufama marrat bihi ayatu rahmatin illa waqafa indaha yas'al wala ayatu athabin illa ta'awwadha minha akhrajahu alhams khamsa wa khassana utidmidhi طيب. What we find from this hadith, what does it say? Hudayfa says, I prayed with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and no ayah of mercy did he come by except that he stopped at that ayah and he would ask. And no verse of adab, of punishment, except that he would stop and seek protection from Allah. Ta'awwadha meaning isti'adha. He would do ta'awwadha, yani he would seek protection from Allah. Right? Firstly, on this hadith, this hadith is found in the five books and it's classified as Hassan, good, by Imam At-Tirmidhi, rahimahullah. Okay? What is the five books? No, no, no. When we say the five, it means a specific five. This we did many, many, many months, if not two years ago, right? Um, the five is excluding Bukhari and Muslim. So it's the four 
plus Ahmad plus the Musnad of Imam Ahmad. So you got Abu Dawood, An Nasai, At Tirmidhi, and Ibn Majah plus plus Ahmad, right? Plus Ahmad. Firstly, on this hadith, the first thing Ibn Uthaymin says is the hadith is also narrated by Muslim. There's a version of this hadith that's found where? In Sahih Muslim. But the version in Muslim gives us additional uh, knowledge. Yani the, the version in Muslim is additional information found in that hadith. And that hadith mentions that this happened in Salatul Layl. This is what this hadith is talking about. The version in Muslim explains that this happened when? During Salatul Layl. And so Ibn Uthaymin says it would have been better for the author, Ibn Hajar rahimahullah, to have mentioned that hadith as opposed to mentioning this one that's found in the other books. Understand? Because number one, it mentions that it was done in Salatul Layl. Right? And so what he would say, the hadith says is that Hudayfa says, I prayed with the Prophet at night, that layla, one night, right? And then he mentions the hadith and that he recited Baqarah, the whole Baqarah, then the whole of Nisa, then the whole of Ali Imran. So the tartib was slightly out, but that's how he recited it. Uh, and he recited it slowly. This is how long the Prophet's night prayer was. That's at least, what, five Jews, more than five Jews, right? The Prophet recited these surahs in uh, Qiyamul Layl. Um, and then no, no verse of mercy did he come by except that he stopped. And no verse of adab except that he stopped and he would ask Allah. And it mentions no verse of tasbih wherein the glorification of Allah is mentioned except that he stopped and he would make tasbih. So you see the version that he gave never mentioned tasbih. Right? The version in Muslim mentions the tasbih and it tells us this was when? In Qiyamul Layl. Right? So it would have been better if instead of putting this hadith in the book, you should have put the version of Muslim in the book. Right? Plus the version of, Mush version of Muslim is more authentic. It's more authentic. It's Sahih Muslim. So that would have been a better option. And Allah knows best. So Ibn Uthaymin says, either Ibn Hajar, at the time when he compiled the book, he did not recall that hadith. It's possible. With all of the thousands of a hadith that he knew, it's a possibility that at that moment, it slipped his mind. And that's why he, he, he put this version in. Or for some other reason, he preferred this narration. For some other reason that Ibn Uthaymin says, he doesn't know of. This is why he preferred this. What's apparent is that most likely he, he forgot. Or he slipped, it slipped his mind that this hadith, or, 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 regarding this hadith. Allah knows best. But definitely we see the benefit in uh, the, the, what the version in Muslim states. It tells us specifically that this wasn't in the normal salawat. The five daily prayers. This happened in the Qiyamul Layl. And secondly, it also tells us that he also did the Tasbih, which this version of the hadith has not mentioned. Okay? And it's also more authentic. So we look at the hadith. Sallaytu ma'an nabi 
He says, I prayed with the Prophet وسلم, and as we said, this is in Qiyamul Layl, right? And there are other ahadith that speaks about the Prophet's prayer in Qiyamul Layl, where Ibn Abbas narrates that he prayed with him, Ibn Mas'ud narrates that he prayed with him, and so on. In different nights, right? In different nights. And he did not pass by a verse, a verse of Rahmah, an ayah of Rahmah, except that he stopped at that ayah and he would yas'al, he would ask. He would ask Allah. For example, Surah Kahf, right? We all know these verses. Allah speaks about Jannah, Jannatul Firdaus, the people of Iman, people of A'mal and so forth, will be there forever, they will abide there and so forth, right? This is the ayah of Rahmah. This is the mercy of Allah, entering the believers into Jannah. So what would the Prophet have done? For example, he would have stopped at this ayah and he would say, Oh Allah, we ask you of your grace, of your virtue, of your, of your bounties, that you make us of the people of Jannah, that you make us of those who will be in Jannah to feed those. Understand? Example, right? رَبِّ اغْفِرُ وَرْحَمُ أَنْتَ خَيْرُ الْغَافِرِينَ وَخَيْرُ الرَّاحِمِينَ Allah says in Surah Mu'minun, رَبِّ اغْفِرُ وَرْحَمُ Our Lord forgive and have mercy. You are the best of those who show mercy. This is the ayah of Rahmah. So if a verse like this comes across, what can we say? We can stop and say in the salah, Allah marhamna, Allah forgive us, Allah have mercy upon us, Allah maghfir lana warhamna, Allah forgive us and have mercy upon us. Understand? And there are many, many ayat of rahmah that incorporates the mercy of Allah. Whether it's speaking about Jannah, the general mercies of Allah, the forgiveness of Allah, you can stop at an ayah like this and say, Allah have mercy upon us. Because... Allah is speaking about His mercy. Allah is now speaking about His rahmah. He is speaking, He is showing you His mercy. So when we get to such an ayah, we stop and we say, Oh Allah, forgive us. Oh Allah, have mercy. Oh Allah, we ask you of your mercy. Oh Allah, we ask you to enter us into Jannah and so forth. Right? And no ayah of adab except that He, except that He sought protection. So, for example, um, many examples. For example, those who disbelieved and they belied the verses and the signs of Allah, they will be the people of the of the fire, the people who will be punished. This is a verse of hadab. It's a verse of punishment, of torment. So we come across a verse like this, we can stop and say, Allah mahfazna, Allah protect us from it. Oh, oh Allah, uh, we, we seek your refuge. Na'udhu bik. Right? We, we seek your refuge. We seek your protection. Understand? Which, there's no specific words to use in reality. It's you speaking to Allah, asking Him to protect you. Or in the ayah of mercy, asking Him to, to give you His mercy, to forgive you, to bless you. And so, ayah of Jannah, to enter you into Jannah. And so forth. Right? وَلَا آيَةُ تَسْبِيحِ إِلَّا سَبَّحَ No ayah of tasbih except that he stopped and he made tasbih. He glorified Allah. فَسُبْحَانَ اللَّهِ حِينَ تُمْسُونَ وَحِينَ تُصْبِحُونَ 
Surah Rum, Allah says, and Subhanallah. May, uh, the perfection belongs to Allah. Hina tumsoon, when we reach the evening, wahina tusbihun, and when you reach the, the morning, you should glorify Allah, you should sing the praises of Allah. We come to an ayah like this, we recite it, we stop, and we say, Subhanallah, 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 we're glorifying Allah, we're singing the praises of Allah, and so forth. Right? Um, and so Ibn Uthaymin says that we find that the qira'ah, the recitation of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi it included three, it incorporated three things. Number one is qira'ah. First it was a recitation. Number two it was tadabbur. It wasn't just recitation. There was also reflection. He recited and he understood what he's reciting. And this is the key point. Because a person who recites and he doesn't understand what he is reciting, how will he know when it's an ayah of Rahmah, when it's an ayah of Adab, or when it's an ayah of Tasbih? If he has no understanding of what he is reciting, so you can take a Hafidh or a Hafidha and they recite in the Quran from cover to cover, but there's no understanding of what they are reciting. So they will not be able to attain this benefit in Qiyamul Layl, for example. Because when the Prophet did this, he obviously understood what he's reciting. And this is how he was able to stop at the ayah of Rahmah and seek the Rahmah of Allah. To stop at an ayah of Adab and seek protection from the Adab. And to stop at an ayah of praise or tasbih and then make tasbih. So this recitation was not just qira'ah, it was qira'ah with tadabbur, with reflection, with understanding. Understand? That's a key point. And thirdly, this recitation also included du'a, where he would stop and make du'a. So this is how he prayed his night prayers. He didn't just recite through and recite long, he recited with reflection, and in between he would make du'a. In between the recitation, he would stop and make du'a. Understand? So the benefits of this hadith, Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah, he says, number one is, it's permissible to make jama'ah in a nafil salah, in a nafil salah at home. So usually when we make sunnas, we always make sunnah by ourselves, right? We don't make it, we don't make it in jama'ah. You make the fard and you make your sunnah by yourself. That's how it should be. But what we find is, this hadith, Hudayfa says, I prayed with the Prophet Qiyamul Layl. We said, we, we mentioned Ibn Abbas said the same thing, different hadith. Ibn Mas'ud, the same thing, different hadith, where they would pray with the Prophet in Qiyamul Layl. So what do we get from this? Does this mean that it's now a sunnah that we can all come together? Let's say tonight, we're coming back tonight after the lesson, we go home, we rest, and we're coming back tonight at 12 for Qiyamul Layl. Is, does it mean that this is a sunnah? Is this how it should be done? This is one option. Or it could mean that at times, if it just so happens that you are together, or that you are with somebody, Let's say you, you're staying together. Or let's say you have a guest at your house. And you're making Qiyamul Layl and he joins you. Or the two of you decide, we might as well pray Qiyam. We are awake. You understand? This is a second option. It happens, you know, by the way, it just happens coincidentally. That you are there and you're both going to pray Qiyamul Layl. This is the second option. And this is more how it used to be in the time of the Prophet 
It was not that they used to have a Qiyamul Layl gathering. Everybody gathers in the masjid for Qiyamul Layl program. You understand? It happened coincidentally. Where they would pray together at times. And it wasn't a big jamaah. There's a few of them. One or two of them only. You understand? The other example from the hadith of Ibn Abbas which we, which we mentioned. What happened? Ibn Abbas was family to who? His auntie was Maymuna, Ummul Mu'mineen. Yes, Ummul Mu'mineen, radiallahu anha. She was the auntie of who? Abdullah ibn Abbas. Hence we know that he was the cousin of the Prophet Correct? We know this. So his auntie was the Prophet's wife. Right? And for him, he stayed with her. Not lived with her full time, but he spent the night there at times. And he came across the Prophet making Qiyamul Layl in the house. Because he was in the house. And he joined the Prophet in the prayer. But do we see what, what the point here is? They didn't gather in the house for Qiyamul Layl program necessarily. It happened coincidentally that he saw the Prophet praying and he joined. And the other lesson that we get from that hadith was, Maymuna stood at the back, the Prophet in front, and he joined and he stood on the left hand side of the Prophet He stood on the left-hand side of the Prophet And the Prophet then took his hand from behind his back. He took him by his left hand and pushed or pulled him to his right-hand side until they stood next to each other. So, what we learn from this is, if you join the Imam, you should stand on the right-hand side of the Imam. That's point number one. And point number two is, in line with the Imam and not slightly behind the Imam. You understand? So you stand next to each other. No, no, this is any salah. <coughs> Meaning if you're two people oh, standing two next to each other, of course. Okay. Not in a big jama'ah, that's different. The big jama'ah, the imam stands in front. Right? The rest behind him. But in this case, it's one imam and you're joining the imam. So you're praying two, uh, two, uh, the two of you together. He then joins on the right hand side and he stands shoulder to shoulder with the imam. That's what this hadith proves, and there are other hadith that also proves this, this point as well. Okay? Um, but that's the hadith of Ibn Abbas. Again, we find it happened coincidentally. It did not just happen, or they didn't gather purposefully. So we don't say that's necessarily a sunnah to do, to have Qiyamul Layl programs, so or everybody gathers on a certain night for Qiyamul Layl. But it happens coincidentally, then it's, it's permissible, uh, and, and Allah knows best. Right? Secondly, it's also befitting for a musalli in the Qiyamul Layl that if he comes across ayat of Rahmah, he should ask Allah. And if he comes across ayat of Adab, he should ask Allah to protect him. And if he comes across ayat of Tasbih, he should do Tasbih. The proof is, this is the action of the Prophet And as we know the hadith, Sallu kama ra'aytumuni usalli. Pray the way that you have seen me pray. This is how the Prophet made salah. So we should try and adopt this as well. And Allah knows best. The question then comes up, is this specific for Qiyamul Layl or not? Yani, should this be done in Qiyamul Layl only? This issue of stopping and, and making dua? Or should it be done in any salah? Or can it be done in any salah? Right? So, what we found here is that this is how the Prophet done it. He did it in Qiyamul Layl. So, without a doubt, it's, it's good to do in Qiyamul Layl. 
right? What about the Fard Salahs, for example? What about the, the Fard Salah? So, um, the Fard Salah, do we say it's a Sunnah? Not necessarily. And do we say it's permissible? Right? Or is it not permissible? Basically, what Ibn Taymin, rahimahullah, he says, is that there's a difference between Qiyamul Layl and the Fard. This is clear. So, we do not recommend people to do it in the Fard Salah. We do not tell people it's a Sunnah and Mustahab. You should do it in the Fard Salah. Because it's not narrated from the Prophet that he did this. Right? Secondly, in this is a type of itala, which means it's a type of elongation of the salah. And again, we know from Qiyamul Layl, it's usually supposed to be a, a lengthy prayer. When the Prophet, we saw the hadith, the, what I mentioned, Baqarah, Ali Imran, Nisa, right? Five, oh, five Jews. That's what he did. So for him, he prayed the whole night, basically. Or almost the whole night. Which means for him to stop in between and make dua, stop in between and make dua, just part of him, his ada that he prayed, you know, in a long fashion. But the fara'id, we do not make too long. Because it becomes burdensome, burdensome on other people. So when we stop and make dua, stop and make dua, it this also is a type of itala. Where we are now elongating the salah. Right? So we say it's best to avoid this. Keep this for Qiyamul Layl. And this is, you know, part of the secrets and part of the, the, the greatness of Qiyamul Layl. It's that usually it's done in private between you and Allah. When you come to that ayat, you, you can decide slowly. You take your time because you don't have a jama'ah with you. You take your time. It's just between you and Allah. You stop. You make dua. In the st- while you're standing, after that ayah, you stop again. Ya Allah, protect me from the fire. Protect me and so forth. And you, this is something special for the Qiyamul Layl. You understand? So what we say is that if somebody does it, if somebody does it in the Fard, inshallah it does not nullify his Salah. It's permissible. It is permissible. But it's not something that we recommend. It's not something that we would tell people, go and do it a Sunnah and so forth. Right? So another example of this is although it's not a dua but you, you find this often is where people say for example bala or bala wa ana ala dhalika min shahidin have you heard this a lot of the people say this in their salah for example they come across an ayah um, for example alaysa allahu which means What does it mean? That is Allah not the most just of judges? So Allah ends of that ayah surah teen, teen wa zaytun, right? Allah ends of this the surah but with a question saying is Allah not the most just of judges? Or the best of judges. Understand? So what some people do is, when the Imam recites this, أَلَيْسَ اللَّهُ بِأَحْكَمِ الْحَاكِمِينَ 
You hear people saying, Bala. Bala means indeed. Meaning indeed Allah is the most just of, or the best of judges. You understand? So they kind of respond to this question, which is left hanging, you know, the end of the surah. So they respond by saying, Bala. Right? What we say again is, this is again good for the sunnah salahs. But it should be avoided in the fard. Because it's narrated that they used to do this in the nafil salawat. It's not narrated for the fard salahs. You understand? But again we say it does not nullify the salah. But it should, it's best to avoid it. It's best to keep it for the, for the, for the nafil salahs. Understand? طيب. The next benefit of the hadith Ibn Uthaymin says is that the Prophet ﷺ used to recite in a slow fashion. Especially in Qiyamul Layl. Tahajjud, he recited slowly. Okay? And this is what's mentioned in the hadith of Hudayfa That he recited slowly. And we know that he recited ayah ayah. Correct? He did not necessarily connect all the ayat. He used to stop at the end of each ayah. And what's the benefit in this? Ablaq fi tadabur. This is the best way to do tadabur. Is that you slow down. And you don't speed through. Secondly, it's also the best of ways to look after your pronunciation of the letters. That if you speed at times, what happens? You stumble over the letters or you mispronounce letters. Whereas if you read slowly, you can focus on the pronunciation, your makharij, your tajweed, and so forth. Right? And then he says, but not like the mutashaddidun fit tajweed. Al mutashaddiqun fi. He says, he doesn't mean by this, you, he says you get extremists when it comes to tajweed. You know, they try and uh, read, like, I won't say too perfect, but they become extreme when it comes to the study of recitation and tajweed. And you find this, you find this with, with amongst us. I mean, you recite wadduha, and you must put wadduha, wadduha. Wadduha, wadduha, you know? And it just becomes, I'll never, you know, there's a guy that, that prays, I'm on the mention of the masjid, but I used to attend a masjid in the northern suburbs. Um, family there, and I used to go there, and he used to read. In a way, man, he was trying to recite perfectly, but it was actually extreme what he was doing. So, for example, instead of saying Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, you say Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahir Rabbil Alameen. I'm not trying to make fun. I'm just giving you an example. Al Rahmanir Rahim, and every scene was like Bismil Bismillah. The thing is, he has the ability to recite normally, but he's trying to recite. You know, in such a way that everything is clear and crystal, and which is what we're supposed to do. But the extent is going to, man. You know, it's an extreme extent. Every ayn, it doesn't sound like a nice ayn. It's like, you know, it's like this, it's like a forced out ayn. It's like a forced out scene, you know. Every single thing was like, you actually stand and you don't enjoy the salah. Because you feel like, is is 
it's excessive, man. You know, it's excessive. You listen to any good Qari, world-renowned Qari, they don't recite like that. You know, they recite everything's clear. Every letter is crystal. Every tajweed is in place. The rule of tajweed, the ikhfa, the ghaam, it's there. Without going into extremes. And I think that's what Ibn Uthaymin is, 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 is going to, is trying to say, you should recite slowly, make everything clear, you know, the pronunciation, everything on point. But don't be like the extremist either. Because that's still, that is, again, is even there when it comes to tajweed. It's, it's there, you know. Um, so that should be avoided. We should be balanced at all times. We don't give up the tajweed. We don't butcher the tajweed. But at the same time, we don't become extreme and everything must be like, it sounds like crazy the way it's being recited, Allah Musta'an. Um, طيب, where was I? So then he mentions that if you are praying like the Prophet prayed at times in Jama'ah, two people in Salah's Jama'ah, right? Two or three, but like his wife was there at times with, and you come across an ayah of Rahmah, how should you make dua? Should you make dua and say, Allah marhamni or Allah marhamna? Right? You should be making Allah marhamna, which means us, and not for me. Because if you are saying, Allah have mercy on me, and they say, Amin, you are only making dua for yourself. You understand? And he gives another example, and he says, the Qunut. He says, sometimes the Imam, he says, Allah mahdini fi man hadayt, wa'afini fi man afayt, wa tawallani fi man tawallayt. Right? All of that is singular. He's making dua for himself. And the whole jama'ah is saying, Amin, that Allah for the Imam, guide the Imam. Bless the Imam, give the Imam safety, give the Imam health, health and wealth and... You understand? Whereas the Jama'ah, they all say Ameen for him, but they get nothing, because he's making dua for himself. So if you are praying in Jama'ah, you should not be saying that, you should be saying, Allah mahdina fi man hadith, wa'afina fi man afid, wa tawallana fi man tawallayt. He mentions this point as well, which is a beneficial point. That if you are making dua in a gathering, you're supposed to be making dua for you, for the gathering and not just for yourself. And he says some of the salaf, uh, the imams, they would say, if an imam makes dua for himself, specifies it for himself only, and not for the ma'mumin, then فَقَدْ خَانَهُمْ He has betrayed them. Because he's using them to say amin to his dua, which is only for him. So this is a trap of, it's like he's betraying them, he's using them. And this is what some of the ulama used to say. And then he brings another point and he says, look at Surah Fatiha. Look at the du'as in Surah Fatiha. Look at the wisdom of Allah. Allah put the du'a and he said, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ نَسْتَعِينَ إِهْدِينَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِينَ Guide us to the straight path. You alone do we worship and you alone do we ask for help. Allah made it in plural form. Why? Because majority of the time is being recited in Jama'ah. And not just by the Imam. You understand? So even if we recite it now by ourselves, we don't change it to singular, because it's Quran, we can't change the Quran. But Allah put it in a, in, a, in a plural form, so that when the Imam recites, and everybody says, Amin, it's for all of us. Allah guide all of us. The Imam is making dua for everybody. You see? And not just for himself. And that also proves the point that he's trying to make, that if you are making dua for the gathering, 
Like in this case, in the Qiyamul Layl, you're making a dua, you must make it for the jama'ah in plural form and not in singular form. Right? So yeah, another benefit comes up, and that is, can you make the dua in English? Right? You can make it in English because it's a nafil salah. Right? So we've said that du'as in the nafil salah is permissible in a different language, but not in the fard salahs. So again, if you are going to stand in between and make du'a in the fard salah, it shouldn't be in your own language. Right? Uh, and so forth. But I think the key to this is at least understanding what you are reciting. So if you don't understand Arabic, my suggestion is that you take some ayah that you know, if you hafiz al Quran, then you choose your surah before the time. Let's say I'm going to recite uh, Surah Mu'minun, for example. The least that we can do is we go through the translation. Even if you go through it slowly through the day, you know, you read a page, two pages at a time of translation, so that you have an idea. What the ayat you are reciting, what does it mean? And you can see with the ayat of mercy or with the ayat of adab or with the ayat of tasbih or. You understand? And even if you don't get all of them, if you get some of them, it's better than nothing. Understand? So at least, you know, I'm going to read this four pages tonight, this ten pages tonight, whatever it is. For Qiyamul Layl, at least go through the meaning and see. Okay, that's an ayah of mercy. When I get to that ayah tonight, I'm going to stop and make dua. And we carry on. When we get to this ayah, I'm going to stop and ask Allah to protect me and my family from the fire. And I'm going to carry on. Even if you did it once or twice, it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. Understand? And Allah knows best. The next hadith is narrated by Ibn Abbas. He said, Qala Rasulullah ألا وإني نهيت أن أقرأ القرآن راكعا أو ساجدا فأما الركوع فعظم فيه الرب وأما السجود فاجتهد في الدعاء فقمن أن يستجاب لكم رواه مسلم رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يسد ألا وإني نهيت indeed or verily I have been prohibited who has caused this prohibition Allah if the Prophet says, I have been prohibited, it means Allah has prohibited him. What has he been prohibited from? An aqra'ul Qur'ana. An aqra'ul Qur'ana. I have been prohibited from reciting Qur'an. Raqi'an aw sajidan. When I'm in prostration or when I'm bowing. Meaning when I'm in ruku and sujood. So the Prophet says what? I have been prohibited from reading Quran when in a state of ruku' or in a state of sujood. فَأَمَّا الرُّكُوعُ As for the ruku' فَعَظِّمُ فِيهِ الرَّبِّ As for the ruku' you should do ta'zim of the Lord. Ta'zim means to uh, glorify the Lord. And as for the sujood, وَأَمَّا السُّجُودُ فَاجْتَهِدُوا فِيهِ الدُّعَى You should strive to make as much dua as you can. فَقَمِنٌ أَنْ يُسْتَجَابَ لَكُمْ For your du'as will be 
readily and, and, and quickly accepted in the sujood. So, what this means is, reciting Qur'an in the ruku and the sujood is permissible or not permissible? Not permissible. It's been prohibited. So if you're in ruku, you don't recite Qur'an. If you're in sujood, it's not allowed that you recite um, Qur'an. Right? As for the ruku', what do we do in the ruku'? We do ta'zim of Allah, meaning we have to now glorify Allah. Ta'zim means like, you know, it's Allah's name is Azim, the greatest. Right? You are now glorifying or magnifying Allah. You're making tasbih and so forth. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Waqi'ah, فَسَبِّحْ بِسْمِ رَبِّكَ الْعَظِيمِ فَسَبِّحْ بِسْمِ رَبِّكَ الْعَظِيمِ Which means, فَسَبِّحْ meaning glorify the name of your Lord, Al-Azim. فَسَبِّحْ glorify the name of your Lord, who is Al-Azim, the greatest. When this ayah was revealed, the Prophet said, اِجْعَلُوهَا فِي رُكُوعِكُمْ do that in your ruku. Meaning what? Do tasbih and glorify Allah when? In the ruku. You understand? And what's the sunnah to do in the ruku? Well, the fard at least is Subhana Rabbi al Azim. Subhana Rabbi al Azim at least once is a fard in the ruku. And you can do it more than that. So, this is an example of tasbih and ta'zim. Glorifying and magnifying the praises of Allah. Right? As for sujood, what must you do? Strive to make dua, the Prophet said. Meaning do as much, do lots of dua in the sujood. After you make your fard, the dhikr which is Subhana Rabbi Al-Ahla. Which means perfection belongs to my Lord the Most High. This is also in the ayah. Which ayah does it come from? Sabbihisma Rabbika Al-Ahla. Where Allah says, glorify the name of your Lord. Al-Ahla. Glorify the name of your Lord who is the Most High. The Prophet said, Ij'aluha fi sujoodikum. Do this in your sujood. Do this in your sujood. So therefore it's a far to say, Subhana Rabbi al-A'la at least once. After that you can say it many more times. Subhana Rabbi al-A'la. Faqamina an yustajabu lakum. Meaning, you will be, this dua in sujood will be answered. Soon and readily it will be answered. Right? And the hadith also says in another hadith that the closest that the slave gets to his Lord is is while he's in prostration. The closest that you can get to your Lord is whilst you're in a state of sujood. It's the closest you get. So Ibn Uthaymin says, yet if we look at it from a from one dimension, it means what do we get? It get, we get that we are actually further away from Allah, isn't it? Because we know Allah is above. When we make sujood, we are going lower down. So from one angle we could say, but aren't you getting further away from Allah? But obviously that's not how things work in the Sharia, right? What we mean is, you are closer to Allah in, 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 your, in your ibadah. Because when you make sujood, this is true, you know, worship. This is how you, you belittle yourself in front of Allah. This is, this is ibadah. Ibadah is that you belittle yourself in front of Allah. You become something small in front of Allah. 
and you turn to Allah, inshallah, how great He is. So Jude is the height of this. You put the most honored part of your body, which is your head, on the lowest part of the ground. That's sujood. Hence, this is why we are considered closest to our Lord in the state of sujood. And that is why we make as much dua as possible in the, in the sujood. Right? So what if a person decides in the sujood and the ruku, what happens to his salah? Is it accepted or not? Okay, so some scholars said, if you recite in the sujood and the ruku, your salah is batil. And other scholars said, it's not batil, but it's not permissible. Right? And that's the view of majority of the ulama. Majority say, if you recite Quran in sujood or ruku, your salah is still valid, but it's something that should be avoided and it's not permissible. Right? And Allah knows best. And what if you recite, let's say, an ayah of the Quran in ruku or sujood, but it's a dua. Like, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fi al-akhirati hasana wa qina adab al-nar. Is this permissible or not? Huh? Right? What's, what's the saying at the back there? Permissible? What's the proof? Right, so what's the distinguishing factor then? So the one hand, one, one opinion says here, it's a Quran, it's not permissible. The other opinion says, it's a dua, so it's permissible. What's the distinguishing factor between the two? What what did what Aunt Emma say? The distinguishing factor is the niya. What's your niya when you read this dua? Is your niya to make dua? Or is your niya to recite Quran? Understand? If your niya is to read Quran, we say not permissible. And if it's to make dua, we say it's permissible. And you can take any other duas mentioned in the Quran, and you can make it in the sujood. Because you are not intending to decide Quran, you are only intending to make dua. Then it's perfectly permissible. The same like a person in the state of Junub. Not permissible to recite Quran in Janaba, right? But can he make dua? Yes, you can. So what if he makes the dua? Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana. Or Rabbana hablana min azwajina. If his intention is Quran, we say it's haram. And if his intention is a, a dua, then we say it's permissible. Then we say it is um, permissible. So it all depends on the niyyah. Depends on your intention and Allah knows best. Another benefit of this hadith is that the ruku' is a place of ta'zim. When we make a ruku', it's a time when we should be trying to glorify Allah as much as we can. So it starts with subhanahu rabbi al-azim at least once we said, and we try to do more than that. Right? Another example of this is subuh. Quddus, Rabbul Malaikati wa Ruh. I explained this one to you before. It's a sunnah to recite in the ruku' and sujood. It's a type of, it's a type of ta'zim and tasbih, glorification. Subuh, that's the name of Allah, the perfect one. Quddus, the pure one. 
Rabbul Malaikati, or Ruh, the Lord of the Malaika, and the, and the Ruh, which is Jibreel, praising Allah. This is a sunnah to recite. It's also part of this general teaching now of making ta'zim of Allah, tasbih of Allah, glorification of Allah in the Rukur. Right? Um, so any, any other, you could say subhanallah, subhanallah, subhanallah in the Rukur. You could say subhanallah or bihamdi, subhanallah al But you must say subhanallah rabbi al-azim at least once. After that you can make any other uh, glorification of Allah. Right? As for the sujood, it's a time for dua. It's a time for dua. And you can make any dua that you want. As long as it's not something haram, you can make any dua that you want. If it's for the akhirah, it's for the dunya, there is no prohibition, there is nothing that's restricted in this case. Right? Although the best of du'as is to make the du'as that the Prophet used to make. In the sujood. The dhikrs he used to make. So you should try and at least do that. And then you can add your own, you know, after that no problem. Tayyib. Another benefit of this hadith is that the state of sujood is one of the places where the du'as are accepted. This is another benefit of this hadith. The place of sujood is... One of the places where in our du'a is accepted, right? We know these times where du'a is accepted, this place where du'a is accepted. This is one of the positions where du'a is accepted. Tayyib. Um, we take one more hadith. This is from Aisha radiallahu anha. She said, كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول في ركوعه وسجوده سبحانك اللهم ربنا وبحمدك اللهم اغفر لي. Right? Aisha narrates a hadith in Bukhari and Muslim. She says that the Prophet Rasulullah used to say in his ruku' and his sujood. He used to say, Subhanak Allahumma Rabbana wa bihamdik, Allahumma ghfidli. Subhanak Allahumma Rabbana wa bihamdik, Allahumma ghfidli. This is the dua that he used to make in the ruku' and the sujood. It's actually a dua and a dhikr. Right? So it's a type of glorification. In the ruku and in the sujood, and it's a dua in the sujood. Subhanaka Allahumma, Subhanaka Allahumma, Rabbana wa bihamdika, Ka. Yes, Rabbana wa bihamdika. And then, Allahumma ghfir li. Allahumma ghfir li. So the benefit here is, this is a dhikr, that's a sunnah to recite in, in the ruku' and in the sujood. So after, subhanahu rabbi al-azim, subhanahu rabbi al-azim, subhanahu rabbi al-azim, this is one example of what we can recite. So we've learned, subuh, quddus, rabbi al-malaikat, wa ruh this is another one. Subhanakallahumma rabbana wa bihamdik, Allahumma ghfir li. What does it mean? Subhanakallah. Perfection belongs to you, O oh Allah. Right? Meaning, subhana, we said, means at-tanzih, which means to purify Allah from anything that is not befitting for him, that opposes his perfection. So when we say subhanallah, we are saying perfection belongs to you, O oh Allah, from any defect, any weakness. Any problem, any issue, right? Anything that opposes the perfection of Allah, subhanAllah, Allah is free from that thing. Allah is too perfect for that. Allahumma means 
Oh Allah, wa bihamdika. And we praise you and your praises. It's difficult to translate this. Subhanakallahumma, Rabbana, our Lord, wa bihamdika. So what does it mean? It means um, we praise you, we do your tasbih, and, you, and we mention your hamd. Yani, perfection belongs to you, and all praises belong to you. Oh Allah, our Lord. That's, you know, pad- rephrasing the, so that we get a better translation, a better understanding. What we are basically saying is, and all praises belongs to you, oh Allah, our Lord. I'm just flipping it around so that the English makes more sense. Right? So what we get from this is two things. We are making tasbih and tahmid. Tasbih means saying subhanallah, which means purifying Allah from all that which is against his perfection. And tahmid means mentioning that perfection of Allah, that praises is for him alone, that he is the only one that's described with perfection and so forth. Right? And this is the best way to praise Allah. Number one, we are freeing him from weakness and imperfection and defect. And number two, we are praising him, mentioning his perfection, mentioning that he's worthy of all praise. So it's from both angles that you are now praising Allah. So this is the best way, right? In fact, in this is all types of tawheed. Because in this, what we say, we say, Tawheed um, uluhiyya, we say Allahumma, it's worship, it's ibadah, we're calling unto Allah alone. Tawheed uluhiyya. Secondly, what do we say? Rabbana, our Lord, which is Rububiyya. Subhanakallahumma, Rabbana, that's uluhiyya and Rububiyya. And Subhanaka wa bihamdika is his names and attributes. Subhanaka wa bihamdika is his names and attributes. So in this dua, there is all three of the categories of Tawheed. All three of the categories of Tawheed. And then we say, Allahumma li. So we praise Allah in the best of ways. We praise Allah in the best of ways. And then we make dua, which is, Oh Allah, forgive us. What does Allahumma li mean? Oh Allah, forgive us. What does maghfira mean? We usually just translate it as forgiveness. Maghfira means two things. Covering the sin. Covering the sin up. And secondly, overlooking the sin. Overlooking the sin. That's maghfirah. When we ask Allah for his maghfirah, like oh Allah forgive me or faghfirli, Allah maghfirli, it means cover my sin. I'm not exposed. And secondly, overlook the sin. Don't punish me for the sin. Understand? That is what maghfirah means. That is what maghfirah I mean, it's important to understand. We, every time we say Astaghfirullah, 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 that's what we're asking Allah for. Cover up our sin and don't, or, or rather overlook the sin. Or overlook the sin. Understand? And even this dhikr, what happened was the verses of Surah Nasr was revealed. إِذَا جَاءَ نَصْرُ اللَّهِ وَالْفَتْحِ When the victory and the opening from Allah comes. Yes. And you see the people entering the religion of Allah. Afwaja. Meaning in large amounts. You just see people entering Islam. And many more and more people entering Islam. 
What must you then do? Fasabih bihamdi rabbika wastaghfir. You must then fasabih do tasbih. Fasabih means and then glorify hamd bihamdi rabbika the praises of your lord. After you recite this ayah, you could, you could, no problem. But listen to the verses. Fasabih bihamdi rabbika wastaghfir. What's mentioned in this verse now? Tasbih, fasabih, hamd, right? Bihamdi rabbika wastaghfir and ask his forgiveness. Three things, tasbih, tahmid, praising Allah and seeking Allah's forgiveness. Innahu kana tawaba. Indeed he is accepting of repentance right so Aisha anha, she said this dua that, that the hadith mentions subhanakallahumma rabbana wa bihamdik allahumma ghafirli she says this dua the prophet never left it off in the ruku and the sujood since these ayat were revealed since the surah was revealed because this dua is doing what the ayah says fasabih bihamdi rabbika wa astaghfir the three things Subhanakallahumma Rabbana wa bihamdik That's tasbih and tahmid Praising Allah and Doing his tasbih And then we say Allahumma ghafirli Asking his forgiveness This is exactly what the ayah says Fasabih bihamdi rabbika wa astaghfir And praise the Or sing the Or, or glorify the praises of your Lord And ask his forgiveness um, so the, since this ayah was revealed, the Prophet always used to do this because it incorporates all three things that the ayah mentions, right? And this surah is also a notice for the death of the Prophet. This is how the Sahaba understood it. Ibn Abbas and Umar, when they heard this surah, they took it as a notice that the Prophet is going to pass away soon. Why? When you see the people, when the help of Allah comes, and the victory comes, and you will see people entering in this deen in large numbers, then you must start to glorify Allah, and praise Allah, and seek His forgiveness, because He's accepted of, of tawbah. They took this as a notice to say, the victory has come. The Prophet's mission is coming to an end. What He came to do is now accomplished, which means His life will come to an end soon. Understand? So they took this surah as a, as a notice. As a notice that this must mean that the Prophet's life is coming to an end. Because the mission is, is nearly accomplished. The job is nearly done that he was sent with. SubhanAllah. So, to end up, end off, there's a few benefits of the hadith that we'll mention. Number one, it's mustahab to recite this dhikr in the ruku and the sujood. So one that we should learn. Right? We see the importance of it. The Prophet never left it off. And it's incorporating what Allah said we must do in Surah Nasr. Subhanak Allahumma Rabbana wa bihamdik Allahumma ghafirli Easy to, not, not difficult at all to remember Right? It's also a part of the hadith that we are talking about The hadith we spoke about before this which is In the ruku' you must glorify your Lord And in the sujood you must make dua This dhikr is both It's glorifying and it's a, and it's a dua So that it incorporates both of that as well Right? Um, that's the main benefit from the hadith that you should just take hold of it, understand the dhikr, and follow the sunnah in it. And follow the sunnah um, in that dhikr.
and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So we continue next week inshallah with the description of salah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Sallallahu ala nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Shalwa la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.